Welcome uh, to the third Sunday of Advent and, and joy. Um, uh, we're going to talk about that. I'm excited to kind of share uh, about joy this morning in the midst of this time where there seems to be no joy. But before we get to that, I do need to kind of acknowledge something and let you know. How many of you notice there's a TV next to me? You know, everybody notice? Yeah, there's TV. And you're all going, what in the world is that for? So I'm going to step over by it for just a second and we can maybe uh, bring up the first thing there. Um, we aren't doing this for those of you that are in the sanctuary, because this is too small unless you're up close uh, for you to really read. You can see everything up there that comes up here. We are doing for this for the people uh, who are online, uh, so this will create a little easier space uh, for them to be able to read the words, and I can stack words up and, and do different things like that. So this morning is the first time, so I'm having to move between there and here and figure all that out. And so this is a case of trying to teach an old dog new tricks, so we'll see how this goes this morning. Uh, but we just just kind of wanted to make you aware of why we were doing this with the camera. They can capture me and, and this together. Uh, and so, again, in, in the sanctuary, you won't miss anything. For those of you online, we're hoping that this will actually uh, make it a little easier for you to see what's going on. And uh, we can put the lines on there for those of you that follow along with our, our sermon notes. We're putting those out uh, on our, our webpage and all of that. And I know some people are following along and filling in the blanks. Well, the video you just saw was one I picked out after looking at a whole bunch of other videos. Uh, and I, I just really liked the content of it and the way they went about it. But the, the thing that I, I liked most was something they said in that. Just near the end, they said, we were made for joy. We were made for joy. Now, I've been to school a lot, and I've thought about joy, and I've done all of that, but I'd never heard anybody quite say it like that, and it really struck me when I, when I read that. We were made for joy, and my heart went, that is right. That, that's, we, were, we were built for, for joy. If you look at the creation story, a part of the creation story is that they're in this Garden of Eden and they have transparent relationship with God and with one another, and, and there is joy in the midst of that. We were designed to exist in joy, and yet we don't very much. In fact, joy is a word that isn't used very much unless you're referring to the girl down the street, you know? It, it, it's just, it doesn't come up. We'll talk about happiness, you know, we'll talk about fun, we'll talk about excitement, all those sorts of things, but we don't use the word joy. And I think a part of the problem is <clears throat> we in some ways confuse those things. We confuse happiness and fun and excitement with, with joy. Joy is just kind of a religious way of saying that. But, but it's not. Joy is so much more than that. Uh, joy in the Bible is, is this kind of life-giving, powerful sort of experience in, in our lives. Uh, and so I, I want to kind of delve into that a, a little bit this morning. Because you were built for joy, I, I want to delve into how the Bible kind of teaches about that. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verses 26. I think we're only going to go to 44 uh, today. Uh, and let me set up the situation just a, a little bit here. Um, what, what's happening is, is they're about to announce the birth of Jesus. And this is where the angel comes to, uh, comes to Jesus, comes to Mary to talk about the birth that's coming. And before this has, has uh, uh, been a time where Zechariah uh, Zach, uh, Zach, yeah, was in the temple and, and he was serving in the temple and an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, hey, Zechariah, your, your wife who is very old, way past when she should have children, she's going to have a baby. Uh, they had no children at that point. And by the way, he is going to be the precursor to the Messiah. And Zechariah, being the thoughtful kind, said, well, I don't know, prove it. Well, that didn't go very well with the angel, so he said, great, I can prove this to you. You can't talk until the baby comes, which if that had happened to me, that would be pure torture for me. 
Uh, so uh, that, that happened to him. And now we're picking it up in another place in the story uh, where, where the angel is actually going to come uh, to Mary. So they're beginning the birth announcements, right? Any of you ever send out birth announcements? I kind of did that one my age. Nowadays they have like gender reveal parties. But, but this is the birth announcement. I want to read this to you. And I, I want you to just kind of listen. Uh, let the words flow over you. Remember scripture uh, was, was read to people before people actually read it. It wasn't until the printing press came along that people could actually have a copy themselves. And so let the images turn on your imagination uh, as, as you hear uh, this, this story. Beginning verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. He's getting the first string here. It's Gabriel that's coming. A town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And you can imagine her kind of going, What? What? Who's who's talking to here? I'm just a, a peasant girl, okay? Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come to you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One born to you will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who uh, was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I like that. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be, uh, to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got up and hurried down to, the town, down to town to the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home uh, and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled, was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you uh, among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Um, And then, as soon as the sound of the greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Joy at the announcement of the arrival of, of the Savior who is coming. That, that there was this thing that happened in her that, that, that the baby itself. So get this. The baby in Elizabeth, who is John the Baptist, by the way, who will become the one who runs before the, before the uh, Messiah, actually recognized the Christ already in that place. There's this powerful moment. And this baby leaps for joy, okay? As soon as the sound of green reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now, if a baby can leap for joy, maybe some of the rest of us can do joy as well. What do you think? <laughs> maybe some of the rest of us can do joy. Yeah, okay, Pastor. That's, yeah. <laughs> so the Savior is coming. There should be joy. We more than anybody else have reason to have joy. Amen? 
we know that he's here. And so uh, Christians, I think, uh, really have uh, struggled sometimes grasping the meaning of the word joy. And like most of these words in Advent, what the Bible means and what the English word means is often uh, pretty different. And so this morning, and I've done this before, and I'll probably do this every year, I, I want to kind of dig into the word joy, because the word joy is really cool in, in Greek. And so um, in the New Testament, uh, the Bible word for joy is chara. Say chara. It almost sounds like Klingon, right? Chara. It's, it's the idea uh, the, the, uh, of joy. Chara. Um, and and it's, we translate it joy or, or gladness. Now here's the, the important thing in this word, and that's this. Joy and grace have the same root word. Y'all know what a root word is? It's the thing that kind of controls the meaning of it. There's the same meaning, but you change it for different things. So, so um, I, I have a, a fear of heights, and that's called, well, I don't know, it's something phobia. <laughs> I think it's acrophobia, isn't it? I don't know. It's something like that. And, and, but, but other people have phobias. You can't control them, but phobia. What, what other phobias are there? What? Spiders. Oh, sorry. We got masks on. <laughs> Spiders. Arachnophobia. Yeah. What else? Snakes. Yeah. I don't know what that one is. There's this phobia for it, right? In fact, there's a phobia for almost every fear. And the key word is phobia, which means fear. And that's the root word, and you can attach that to all kinds of other things, but it remains the same. And so when we say joy and grace have the same root word, we're saying that they they have the same fundamental meaning, that they're connected in how their meaning, uh, what their meaning is. And so uh, the word uh, for grace in in Greek is charis, say charis, charis, okay? And the word for joy is chara, right? And and so there's this connection between them. And And then get this. Um, the word for charisma or for gift is charisma. Say charisma. Yeah, in English we, j- we say charisma, right? Charisma is some, or, or char- charismatics, you know, the hold to the gifts of that sort of thing. And so all three of these words are related, joy and grace and charisma. And, and they're all connected. And, and in English, uh, we tend to like words that have like one single defined meaning. That's what makes engineering possible, right? You know, it has one exact kind of thing. But in original languages of the Bible in the Old Testament, the, the, it was about drawing a picture. And so it was never a precise sort of thing. It was always kind of an image you got out of it. And so when we talk about having joy, joy is connected to grace, this thing that God does for us. And it is a gift from God. In fact, we talk about when we define grace, grace, we often say unmerited favor, right? And so just the difference between grace and mercy. Grace is when you get something you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't get something you do deserve, right? So if you do something bad and there should be a penalty and someone spares you the penalty, that's mercy. But if someone uh, gives you a Corvette when you walk out of here today, that's grace, (laughs) right? And tickets aside and all of that. But, But what I want you to understand is when we're talking about joy, we're talking about all of these all at the same time. Joy, grace, uh, gift, charisma is all, uh, all a part of this. And so uh, in, the, in the Bible, the idea of joy is a big, content, a big uh, concept. In fact, when you go to the Old Testament, um, the Old Testament word is shimcha, say, or simcha, simcha. Simcha, yeah. And this word uh, is, carries many of the ideas uh, that are already a part, the idea of joy and gladness, but it goes deeper. It carries the idea of mirth. And then it carries the idea of to be bright or to shine. 
which when we, we light the candles, that's what's being talked. There's a grace here. There's a, a joy here that, that shines out from all of this. It also carries the idea of to spring or to leap. Any of you heard the expression leap for joy? That, that's, you get that from that Hebrew understanding of, or to exalt or shouting. You heard the expression shout for joy, right? That's, that's a Hebrew idea of that we should leap and we should shout. Or, or another one, this is the one I like the best, to go in circles. And I, when I first thought, I thought, what does that mean? You know, any of you ever seen a dog that's really excited to see you come home, go in circles like that? You know, any of you had a dog that does that? You know, they get really excited. That's not what this means. Okay. What this actually carries is the idea of Hebrew dancing. If you've ever gotten to go to a Jewish wedding, they will dance, and they dance in a circle, and sometimes they'll have like circles within circles that they, they dance in, and they go around as, as they dance. And, and that's, a, that's an expression of joy, that they, they go in this circle. And so it, the, the idea um, is, is that, that joy is this big thing. It's, it's not a little thing, it's a, it's a big thing that we would leap and we would, we would shout and we would dance uh, before the Lord. So Christians, you, we should all be people that leap and dance and shout and run in circles before the Lord. Now, I think I'm past the age where I should leap anymore. That would probably be dangerous for me. But, but you get the, uh, the idea of what's going on, that joy should, should lead us to dancing and to celebration, to, to holy party as to what God has done. Uh, I, I grew up Nazarene, and, and Nazarenes used to have a rule about dancing, right? And, and so I, I've often thought we've missed out on a lot of stuff because of that. And so, I, you know, I, I think sometimes we should have like a class on dancing, a discipleship class on dancing, not ballroom dancing, but kind of dancing with joy in the, in the circle, and you can kick your legs, and you can move around, and you can fall down, and we'll, we'll laugh about it. We'll have to have something soft for some of us old people to fall on, but but I, I, I want you to understand how important this is. So biblically, joy is a heart response to God's gracious gift in our lives. The idea of gift, charisma, okay? The idea of grace, and, and the, the response is joy. Biblically, joy is a heart response. It's something that happens in our heart when God, gives point, when God puts gracious gifts into our lives. Does that make sense? It's a response to what God has, has done in, in our lives. When God puts an undeserved gift in your life, that is grace. And we should respond with joy. I am willing to bet that all of you could stop and think back about something where God put an undeserved gift in your life. And you should respond with joy. Now, guys, if you're smart, lean over to your wife and say, you're an undeserved gift in my life. It'll get you points. <laughs> I see some of you doing it. You are smart. <laughs> so when I think about this, uh, certainly my wife is, is an undeserved gift. But the time it really came home for me uh, was when my, my daughter was born. And I was we were in the midst of some stuff in my career. And I, I worked for Albertsons. And we were taking over stores at that time. They were expanding. And we were in the middle of taking over a store um, that... Uh, we had bought from another company. Uh, and, and what you do is you kind of behead the management and then you hire people back. And I was part of the management team that came in. Uh, and th this was a really difficult one. We'd done them before, but this one was hard. And so I wasn't enjoying my job and I didn't like the people I were working with. They were determined that we weren't doing it right and they were kind of sabotaging things and, and they were angry and I wasn't really happy with my career. The Lord was in the process of moving me back into ministry and he was, he was on me about that. And, and so there just wasn't very much happiness in my life. In fact, I, I don't really believe it, but my wife would characterize me during this time as grouchy whatever that means, okay? 
And then in the midst of all of that and all of that frustration, my daughter was born. And this amazing thing happened. I was in there when she was born where this instant love and instant joy that happens. And all of a sudden I realized I'd do anything to protect her. I would do anything to help her flourish that, that I would give my life for her. And, and, and so there's this thing I've not really experienced in that kind of sense ever before in my life. And it changed my perspective on everything. Now when I, I went to work to that same awful job with that same boss and that same struggle and all of those employees, all of a sudden I had joy. It was, it was a completely different experience. All of a sudden I'm enjoying stuff, not because my circumstances changed, but because God had graciously birthed into my life something that I responded to with joy. Something deeper than happiness. You know, it used to be that happiness was when it was time to go home. Yay, you know, okay? Now all of you have had jobs like that at some point in your life, you know? But now happiness was something that I carried with me because of the joy. In fact, all of a sudden I loved coming home when it used to be that I loved leaving work. You understand there's a difference between love leaving work and loving coming home. To that, to that little girl that, that was, you know, Frankly, she was, you know, messy and smelly and, and trouble and, and all of those sorts of things. And yet, the grace gift from God of my child was so big that it kind of overrode every, everything else in, in my life. And it continued to with that and then with Kevin later on. I, I will tell you that the, the greatest joys in my life have come from my children and watching them. And we have enjoyed every stage. Some of them were more challenging than others, but we have enjoyed every single stage of their life. E even when they got a little older and they got expensive. Has anyone noticed that teenagers are expensive? You know, when they began to um, make you worry more, I thought as they get older, you'd worry less, but you don't. You worry more as they get older because all of a sudden they can get into more trouble. It's like, ah, you know, they, they didn't always obey. They could be sassy once in a while. They get that from their mom. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe for me. Um, they drive you crazy and still, chara. Say, chara. When you think of your children, I hope you think of chara. The greatest gift ever was chara. And now, you know what I've discovered just recently? After children comes grandkids, and it's even better. It, it's a surprise. It's like, this is wonderful in all of this. It just keeps getting better and better. In fact, uh, some of you noticed, sometimes I post on my, my Facebook page a picture. I just recently posted the, the latest picture of, of my grandson Brody, and I, I put it on my computer, on my computer screen so I can see it. And, and every time when I, I open my computer and it's kind of started up, there it is. And it just gives me a little tingle in my heart. Hurrah! Joy for that. And, and that doesn't apply just to us, that this joy kind of thing. But I think God deliberately connected parenting and children to joy and Jesus coming as a baby so that we would understand some things uh, about God. So I want to ask this question. Do you know that, do you know that as, God, uh, that as God's child, you bring great, perfectly good sentence. <laughs> do you know that as God's child, you bring him great joy? Do you know that as God's child, you bring him great joy? Just as our children bring us great joy, his children bring him great joy. And even greater joy. Because just as I tell you, God loves you more than you love your children because you don't have the capacity God has, God takes greater joy than you take from your children because God has greater capacity for joy. 
that you bring God joy. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Somebody maybe that's watching online that, that God brings you joy, that you bring God joy out of him. I, being a father taught me so much about the heart of God. Okay? Going to seminary taught me a lot about the mind of God. Okay, a lot of theology. But being a father, that taught me about the heart of God, the heart of love, of how much he cares for us, about how much joy he takes in us, about how his stance toward us is positive, not negative. I grew up hearing some preachers that it sounded like God existed to get us in some way, hoping we'd mess up so he could smack us down. And then I actually read scripture, and it's like, it don't say that. It says that he's for us, not against us, that he delights in you. I, I um, saw this first in my, uh, my parents, um, my dad. I'm sure it happened before this, but I just wasn't tuned in enough growing up. But I remember the first time I really saw my dad take joy and delight in me as his son. It was, it was in middle school, and I had turned out for the football team. I am not very good at football, and I'm way too short to really play football without getting killed. Uh, but I turned out for the junior high football team. And I remember we were having a game over by the YMCA, and there was this big lot. It wasn't, there were no stands or anything like that. They just kind of drew lines in it, and they put us out there. And we all had on, you know, the seventh grade football outfit that the shoulder pads didn't fit quite right, you know, and the pants were too big and the shirts were everywhere and the hats were, the, the helmets were the old ones. And we had like the really old ones. They, they weren't quite made out of leather. They were made out of plastic, but they still had like a, a, an out part for ears, you know, in it. And so they, they, it looked like it was bad. It looked bad, you know, and we all looked bad in them. And, and, and I remember we got in this game and, and this is to tell you how desperate we were. They had me in his middle linebacker right in the middle and the, the play came up and I was supposed to rush and amazing when the play you know it opened up and there's a hole to the quarterback and I'm like boom as fast as I can go and just as I'm about to get the quarterback he hands it off right and so I kind of miss and I go back around and I decided I'm going to chase this dude down because now I'm mad I've been embarrassed by this and this guy takes off and a hole opens up and he goes through there and he's running and I'm running and he's running and I'm running and finally I caught up to him and I and I got him there was no I was the last thing to stop and, I, and he went down and I, you know everybody cheers you know I'm like ah you know, it's a Super Bowl moment for me. Hey, that, by the way, this is a high point of my athletic career. So you need to look a little more engaged here. Okay. I got up and I turned around and I looked and I caught my dad in mid-cheer. He had jumped up in, in the air and he weighed more than me. Jump up there. I caught him literally with his legs up in the air and like this going, yeah, that's my boy. You know, and I could see the joy on his face. I could see the, the pride. I, I, I could see what was going on, the, the delight he was taking in his son. And honestly, God's capacity to take delight in you is greater than my dad's capacity. And that moment is always, always in, in my mind. We, we just get so caught up in the, in the midst of all of the stuff. And I think that's because we, we get focused on the things around us rather than the grace gifts from God. And so here's something I know about this. Happiness is situational. Joy is spiritual. Happiness is situational. You know what's going on in your life? You, you walk out for Christmas and your spouse has gotten you a new car for Christmas. Happiness, right? A few years later, it's broken down on the road. No more happiness, you know. It's situational. Joy is much deeper than that. In fact, I, I think this is a part of the problem in America today and why we don't experience more joy, even among Christians, is that, that happiness can be addictive. 
And people are constantly pursuing happiness, things that will make them happy. But the problem is, like any drug, you get a hit that makes you high for a while, and then it wears off. And then you need another hit. That's kind of how we drive consumerism and stuff like this, you know. Hey, the new models come out. Yours is old and dead. You shouldn't be driving that. You need to get the the new... Am I against new cars? No, I'm not against new cars. But I'm telling you that sometimes... Happiness always almost becomes something that we need a fix of. We need the newest, latest, greatest, biggest, best. And that drives something in us, and it always disappoints us. But joy, because it, it's spiritual, doesn't fade away. It, it, it endures through all this. Most of the things, in fact, that bring us joy are not things. Most of the things that bring us joy are people, our kids, our family, our, our spouse, our, our relationship with others, because ultimately relationships are spiritual. And that's why joy is a part of that. In fact, neither happiness nor pleasure can create joy. But joy often creates happiness and pleasure. Let me say that again. Neither happiness nor pleasure create joy. New things will never create joy. But if you have joy, it will often create both happiness and pleasure. In fact, joy is listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians. It's a part of the Spirit's working in us that we would bear this fruit of joy. And so here's what I think about how this works. Pleasure and happiness are fragile, but joy is nearly indestructible. Pleasure and happiness, they, they, the circumstances are, are dependent upon them. They're, they're transitory. It comes and it, it goes. But joy is bigger than our circumstances, way bigger than our circumstances. I, I was looking through Scripture for kind of examples of this, and the one I, there's several, but the one that, that really caught my eye is found in Acts chapter 5. And it's about Peter and the apostles who have been preaching when they were told not to preach. And so the, the leaders of the time, political leaders, are, are after them, and they have them arrested, and they've told them to go beat these guys, give them a whipping, basically. Now, you have to understand something about this. Uh, this is early on in Paul's preaching career. And so he could have gotten out of the whipping because he was a Roman citizen. In fact, you see a little more maturity later on in his life when they want to do a whipping. He says, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen. He decides not to tell them before. But he decided not to tell them. He was going to tell them afterwards that he was a Roman citizen, right? Which would scare them to death. And, th and that's all kind of interesting stuff. But I think what is really interesting is at the end of the story, after he's taking a beating for Christ, and this was no small thing. These were horrible kinds of beatings that they take. It says that they left rejoicing. That blows me away. I'm telling you, if the government grabbed me off of the streets and took me to some deep, dark prison somewhere and beat the tar out of me, and then they released me, rejoicing would not be the first thing on my mind. I might be thinking, lawyer, lawyer, right? And, and so the, it's, it's, no matter what, even a beating from a Roman couldn't take, beat the joy out of him. And, and you've experienced this. Our, our daughter, Jana, that I told you about, that brought me so much joy in, in those moments. But, but also for her, it, she didn't sleep five times in the first nine months of her life. We went deep into sleep deprivation, and it was really hard, and it was so difficult for us. And she, she had this cry that would instantly make you angry. Have you ever heard a baby like that? You know, most, most of them have this little, she had this, you know, and it was like, and despite all that, I still felt joy. See, happiness is fragile. Joy is indestructible. 
And, and in fact, joy is often what will lift you out of unhappiness uh, and the, the circumstances bring. So here's, here's my question for you today. This is the one that, that matters. How often do we miss joy because we fail to recognize God's grace gifts in our lives? This one bothers me because I know, I know that I know in my life I have missed the joy God sometimes has for me because I was so focused on the circumstances. My job isn't going well. I'm frustrated with this person at work. I'm struggling with this other thing that's going on. This isn't fair in the midst of this. This person is driving me crazy. I'm not getting there as fast as I should. And in the midst of all of that, I, I, I miss that God, I failed to recognize that God has grace gifts in his life, that there are things he's pouring into my life that should bring joy to me. And I miss it because I'm focused on, on the wrong things. How often, let me ask you, how often do you miss joy because you fail to recognize God's grace gifts in your life? Maybe even now. Maybe if you've come this morning, you're online with us this morning, and you're struggling with joy, and you're like, I don't want to listen to a sermon on joy. Maybe the problem is we've missed the thing that God wants to pour into life. We get so focused on bad things happening around us that we don't see the good things God is doing in us. We get this chicken little process kind of, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. You know, there's so many bad things. Have you turned on the news? Why would you do that anyway? But have you turned on the news? Have you seen what's going on around us? Everything's falling apart. The politics is falling apart. There's COVID everywhere and we're in the middle of a recession. Woe is me. I just love the timing of Christmas this year. Right in the midst of all of that, a Savior who is Christ the Lord has been born to you. That's the really important thing in all of this. And I, when I was, I have accountability partners over the years, and we have questions, and one of the questions that we ask each other is, have you let any person or circumstance rob you of your joy? Have you let any person or circumstance rob you of your joy? And I will tell you just frankly that that's the question we trip over probably more than anyone. Every week we'd kind of have to go, yes, there was someone that this happened, or there was this circumstance, and yes, it kind of robbed me of my joy, and I got upset, and I was struggling with all, all, all of that. Let me ask you, have you let any person or circumstance rob you of your joy recently? You are in the last several months or since COVID started. I have. COVID's robbed me of my joy. Sometimes I feel like COVID has robbed me of my job. But God gave something bigger than that. He gave the Savior of the world. It'll never be the same again. And this year, I think lots of people have lost their joy, even in the church. Amen? Amen? Well, here's what I also think. It's time to take it back. It's time to, to rejoice as followers of Jesus, not because our circumstances are good, our circumstances aren't as bad as, as Paul's. None of you have been beaten today for being a follower of Jesus, have you? You know? But, but we should have joy. In fact, joy is what is attractive to the world. We should overflow with it. They should say those crazy Christians, they have joy no matter what. And so I, I want to read to you some scriptures this morning that, that talk about joy. And I want you to let these into your soul. Uh, the first one is Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, 
Rejoice, yeah. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And this is one where I, early on in my life when I read this, I go, yeah, well, what, you know, what do you know? My life really is, stinks right now. And then I went to school and I found out that when uh, Paul wrote Philippians, you know where he was? He was in jail. He was in prison. In fact, and his prison didn't look anything like our prisons today. Our prisons, if you'd see pictures, you know, I hope none of you have had personal experience, but if you see, see a picture of them, they're like stainless steel and they're all clean in there and you got a, a nice little bed right there, you know, and you got a sink and, and all that. And they get you out, they regularly, they take you out so you can get a little exercise and you, you get to go to lunch and you get to go to dinner and, and breakfast and all of those sorts of things. You know what a, a prison was like in Paul's time? It was a hole in the ground they literally dropped you into. And there were no facilities, so you can guess what it smelled like and what it was like in there. And they would leave you in there for extended periods of time. And very often, if, if someone didn't bring you food, you didn't eat. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, in case you didn't hear it before, I say again, rejoice. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, that's a hard one, gentleness, goodness, faith. The, the spiritual part that literally this is God working in you. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting, joy and shouting again. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And this should be true of all of us. God has done great things for you. Think over your life. If you've got children, God has done great things for you. If you have a spouse you love, God has done great things for you. If you have friends that you get along with and you like and give you life, God has done great things for you. Okay. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongue with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Joy, joy. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up, and dries up the bones. You know, there's actually research that shows this, that patients who have good attitudes actually do better than patients who don't or who have bad attitudes. Joyful heart is good medicine. Do you need to be healed? Is there something going on in you today? Is there maybe not even physically, maybe just emotionally, maybe inside, maybe there's something going on. Get a joyful heart. Think about the things God has done for you. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Here's the standard. If you woke up this morning, God has given you a grace gift. He's giving you this day. We sometimes start worship with this. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us be glad in it. So I want to talk to you real quickly as we kind of wrap up. Helps for embracing God's joy in your life. Just like there are things that can steal joy from you, there are things you can do to build joy into your life, to embrace what God has done for you. And honestly, the world loves to steal joy from people. And we're going to fight back this morning. So the first thing is this. Don't let the devil get you focused on things that don't matter in the long run. And by in the long run, I mean in the really long run. You know, most of the stuff in our life is passing away. You know that, right? That, that new car becomes the junker you can't wait to get rid of. The house that seemed so cool when you bought it, oh, now it needs a paint job, and it's got this, it's looking a little rough, got to put new carpet in it, all of those sorts of things. We get so caught up in that. Don't let the devil get you focused on those things that don't matter in the long run, because that's how he steals your joy from you. And then on the other side of it, actively remember God's grace gifts to you and yours. 
Over and over again in Scripture, God is saying to us, remember, remember. We do it every time when we do communion. I've said this a hundred times to you. Remember, remember, remember. Remember all God has done for you. And that is the key to joy. It's so important. The devil focuses on the things that don't last, and God wants to focus on the things that he has given to us. When we focus on the things that don't last, we have fear and anxiety and worry and all of those sorts of things. But when we focus on the gifts God has given to us, it changes us. Whenever I want to feel happy, I just open up my laptop and there's little Brody. It's like joy, joy that comes in the midst of this. Pay attention to what you are dwelling on. You know what I mean? Think about what you're thinking about. Sometimes our mind wanders off into really painful things or depressing things or that sort of thing. Be attentive to, what, to what's going on up there, to the, those kinds of things in your life. And so uh, this week I, I asked people on our, our lobby page on Facebook if they would uh, write down what gives them joy. And I just, uh, as we get ready to cl- close, Kramer, if you'd come out, we're going to sing in a minute. I just want to read some of these to you because I think a lot of you have these in your life too. Uh, and I'm not going to read all of them, and I'll just read pieces of them. The first one, the birth of my children. Everybody say amen, okay? Watching my boys love on each other. Watching my son learn new things as he grows and hearing his laugh brings me so much joy. Being a mom and grandma. When I finally understood that God really loves me and he's not, angry, not an angry God waiting for me to do something wrong so he can delete, hit the delete button on me. That was huge for me. Every morning I wake up next to my wife, I am filled with joy. There's some major marriage points for that guy. Knowing deep within you, God heard your prayer and knew the answer was on the way. Anytime I am living in gratitude... When I do or say exactly the right thing for someone who needs joy in their life, not my doing, a gift from God. When I see my kids succeeding and hitting their milestones in their own time and ways, helping others and spending quality time with family and friends. The birth of my girls. Welcoming home my soldier daughter from the Iraq war. Listening to my children and grandchildren giggle and the aha of a student learning braille. My greatest joy comes from being in and knowing God's presence is with me. Watching my husband embrace his uh, wee daughters upon his return from Desert Storm. The first time I held my daughters and my five grands. Watching my kids grow up and be kind and caring to adults. When I'm ready to, reading my Bible and the Holy Spirit lets me in on a little secret. Amazing. When the children play, learn, and bond with each other. Marrying my husband at church. That was, that was an amazing time, and so is he. More marriage points. Joy, waking up from a Caesarean, afraid to see my son, but my husband plopped him in my arms. I fell in love. Witnessing the birth of my grandchildren. What brings you joy? I want you to say it out loud today. Write a list. And then say it out loud, read it out loud, that's powerful. Maybe you, you, uh, you uh, put it on the refrigerator so you'll see it all the time. When you think of other things that bring you joy, write, write those down in, in there as well. But be focused on the gracious gifts God has given to you. For out of them comes the joy of the Lord. Amen? Father God, I pray for these good people. I pray, Father, that you would forgive us that we focus on things that create worry and anxiety and fear that instead, Lord, you would fill us with the joy of the Lord, 
that you would keep us reminded of all the good things you pour into our lives. And it's not usually things, it's usually people and relationships, Father. Would you bless and unite us and draw us together and give us true gratitude for all that you have done. We love you and we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.